You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. There's that, uh, I don't know where, when this started, like this year sometime or something, where there's that awkward silence between songs and everybody's like, You know, it's just kind of, anyway, I hope that when you're doing that, if you're doing that, it's for Jesus, and that uh, I'm so grateful for our people who lead worship, but I know they're trying to point you toward him as well, and I was up here, or I was back there, and I'm looking up here, and I'm going, man, those guys, they come here, and Thursday night practice, Sunday morning practice, and, and I'm I'm looking up there, and Ashley's got her kid's tag on her shirt, you know, and and I'm like, I know what it's like because my wife and her leading sometimes, she's juggling kids and work and all these other things that go on. And so um, I know it can be hectic, so I'm so thankful for these people that, that do this because they work hard at this. Um, and I know their heart is just to lead you guys to Jesus. And so that's, and that's I was back there a minute ago. If, and just so you know, because I know sometimes people come in and, you look back in the corner and the, the guy that's going to be preaching is like on his phone, uh, hitting, like, looks like he's texting or something. I'm like looking, I've told you this before, like looking up scriptures and stuff. And when I'm hearing these songs, and there's things that'll just God brings to mind, the scriptures and stuff, just I start thinking about things. And even when we got into one of those songs, I was just thinking about how great God is and just just like I was saying about them hearing, you know, you hear the music that they their hope is that you would see Jesus. Is I got to thinking about Galatians two twenty. Um, I had to look it up to make sure I was correct, but where it says, "I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me." So it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so I was, I, I was thinking about, I remember there's a guy named Francis Chan. You don't see much about him anymore because he, he's doing a lot of other different things besides pastoring the church where he was. But um, he, I remember a sermon he did, and he talked about at the very beginning about how like when a pastor comes up here, when this music group comes up here, this this these worship folks that that hopefully that you can in your mind approach this this morning as, well, it's not Marty that has anything to say. It's not me. Hopefully it's Christ in me who has something to say. Hopefully it's you see it that way and go, God has something to say to me, and he's going to use the word through people and through song and through preaching and and in your small groups, God might speak. Because it's that way with all of us who are Christ followers. If If Christ lives in us, hopefully if we're living walking with the Spirit and step with the Spirit as Scripture talks about, then then there's times when God will speak to you through people. Not that it's us, but it's Christ who lives in us. So I, I you know, just got to thinking about that because he, he talks about how miraculous it is that God can change people and how, you know, we can become new creations in Christ. And so uh, just that transformation. And so my hope, and I got to praying back there is, God, would you just hide me behind all that stuff, that your greatness and how good you are, and would you just speak this morning? Because it's, it's, it, I hope 
it's not me you see this morning, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so that was my prayer back there this morning. And so speaking of prayer, tonight is our next prayer gathering. If you remember, uh, we started doing those. We had to cancel last the last one because of weather issues last month. But tonight at 6.30 here, Jimmy Inman will be with us. Um, so if you were at the last one, hopefully you enjoyed it and you'll come back. It didn't get crazy or weird or nobody was forced to pray out loud or like if you want to just come and sit and be involved in a praying together as a group, uh, as a as a church, it doesn't matter if you're a member or not or a guest here, what, if you want to come tonight, come at 6.30, Jimmy's going to teach a little bit and uh, we'll have a time of prayer together. And so Jimmy Inman's pastor of True Life Church over in Jefferson City, he, his church and this church our two churches started exactly the same time. I went through basic training with him through the Tennessee Baptist Convention, and then we taught for many years um, basic training through the North American Mission Board and all that for a long time. And um, So I, Jimmy's been a good friend. He's somebody I go to a lot. You guys hear about him a lot. Go to Honduras with him. Uh, he's the one that got us started where, where we're going now down there. And so if you want to know who Jimmy is and be around him, um, come tonight and just come tonight expecting um, just wonderful things and getting to pray together. So, given all that, uh, I want to get right into part three of this B at TCAR series we're doing, which is the B stands for belong and engage, and it's what we're doing that's kind of a replacement for our class 101, our membership class. We're going to go through this stuff, and there'll be some stuff I'll put out front that once we get through this to say, hey, you've listened to all these messages, even if it's online, you missed a Sunday, there's some other stuff to listen to, that'll be on a card out there soon, um, then you can fill out your membership paper and join the church, because we like for people to know up front everything about our church, what we believe, um, who we are, uh, how things work around here, so that you, you're not joining something and then later going, you guys believe what? You know? and you're surprised by something, but we go up front, here's who we are and what we believe and everything about us as as the church. And so uh, that's what we're going through right now. And so this is part three, and today I want to talk about uh, something that's overarchingly important to all this. I've kind of been going backwards, I guess. I talk about membership and then the church, and today I'm just going to talk a little bit about salvation itself. But yes, the church is a gathering of God's witnesses, that ecclesia that we talked about last week. Um, and we went through all that last week. It is an assembly of those who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. The church is the people, the people who hold on to Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. And so in, in our membership class, the very first thing we go over at the beginning, we talk about just briefly the importance of membership in the church and what that means, and then we go we go right into making sure that everyone understands that it is useless to be a member of a church if you're not a born again Christian. So that being the real issue, we cover that up front. Uh, and so, let me quickly go over what we teach about salvation. Uh, then I will give you some things to help check to be sure that you really have what you say you have if you have Jesus, okay? 
So in our 101 material, and I'm going to briefly hit a bunch of scriptures. There's like 20 of them um, that I referenced, but everything we put in our membership class is backed by scripture. And so these won't be on the screen. Uh, I didn't like crack the whip this morning and be like, okay, put all 20 of these in here. We're going to go over all of them. So um, I'll just reference them and read a few of them as we go. But basically what the Bible says about being Christian is first, each of us is born a sinner. Okay, so we realize who we are in Romans 3.23, all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? And so we're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're sinners, okay? It's, it's a natural, it's, in our, it's from Adam in, in our DNA. And so, therefore, each of us stands condemned before, before God, okay? Because God, we know who He is, He's holy, He's perfect, uh, our sin um, is against who he is. It, we cannot be in his presence with that, our, our imperf- imperfection in, in front of his perfection. And so it's not like, um, well, I was born and one day I'll do something bad and then I'll become a sinner, okay? No, we're born that way, okay? But it's it's not like, well, I've never robbed a bank or I've never killed anybody or anything so i'm not that bad of a person and so my good you know i'm not i'm not that bad no we all stand condemned before a holy god already and so john 3 18 he who believes in him is not judged he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son okay romans 6 23 wages of sin is death okay so even though we are sinners God is holy, and all that stuff is true that I just said, He still loves us, which is amazing. You know, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God demonstrated His own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so that, that explains it. Yes, we were sinners. We were condemned already but God, in the midst of all that, still loves us and died for us while we were in that state, okay? So don't think you have to get cleaned up to come to church, right? People often think, well, you know, one day I'll quit cussing and I'll go to church, right? Or uh, quit drinking or quit whatever, whatever it is. You know, you're like, everybody's got these habits or, you know, man, I'll get myself straightened up and then I'll go to church. No, that that's backwards, okay? When... God is the one who does the work anyway, and so we we all come to church. I love this, okay? Uh, I was listening to a guy the other day talk about how um, I am so glad that the church is not full of perfect people, okay? Because I would not feel welcome here at all. You, you with me? Then I'd be afraid to go if it was full of perfect people. Right? I would not feel welcome. I would mess it up the moment I came to church as a pastor if it was full of perfect people. Okay? And so, I hope you see that. That that is not what this is. It's not, let's all get ourselves straightened up and then we'll go sit in church and look pretty. Okay? We, We stand condemned already. God loves us just like we were. Died for us. We come to Him, and, and then it's a process. Okay? 
Number four, the fourth thing here is Jesus Christ is the only way to God. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Talked about that a little bit last week. It's not exclusive. It's inclusive. It's not that you go, well, that's kind of, you know, narrow-minded, and it's, it's kind of, so you're saying that's the only way. Well, that's pretty exclusive. It's just for certain people. No, it's inclusive. It's for anyone. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, there's all, it's, it's for anyone, okay? It's inclusive, not exclusive. Christ died on the cross in our place for our sin that we could be forgiven by God and have a relationship with him. 1 Peter 3.18 tells us, Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might do what? Bring us to God. It's about having a relationship with God. Okay? Eternal life is a relationship with God. Not something that we once did or really now do. Okay? It's not religious hoops we got to jump through all the time. It's not, well, i got to, obey these seven things and do them every day and then or I got to live this you know there's these rules and if I follow all these rules then I'll be okay no it's a, it's a relationship with God it's not something I once did it's not well I prayed a prayer when I was eight years old and went to vacation Bible school and I took the IQ test heaven or hell uh, which one do I want if that's the two options I think I'll go with heaven okay pray this magic prayer okay you're good Walk an aisle, pray a prayer, get baptized, join a church. You're all good, okay? That's Now, that may be the way it starts. That's what, that's what we do here. In fact, at the end of the service today, I may even ask you, hey, I'm going to be standing over there. If you're going to give your life to Christ, come right over there and we'll, let's get this, this talk about it, okay? That's how it may start, but, the, but it's a transformed heart. It's placing your trust in, in Christ, as we'll talk about, and, you, and it changes you. And that change is the evidence that we'll talk about in just a moment that you've been saved. It's, it's not I prayed a prayer and that magic prayer saved me. It's Jesus saved you and you trust him for that. Okay? It's a, it's a relationship with God that's ongoing. Um, it's, I won't get into perseverance of the saints, but I, I'm not a Calvinist, but I do believe that it's those who persevere to the end that shows that you truly were saved. Because that's what the Bible says, okay? John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's not a prayer we once prayed, no religious hoops we jump through, or that we, we these religious acts that save us. It's a relationship. It says this is eternal life. It's knowing God through Jesus Christ. So we know his voice, know what he sa- his voice sounds like. We follow him, as Scripture says. Okay, it, it's, it's knowing him in an intimate way. That word know in there is not just I know facts about him, but I know him, okay? So knowing facts about God in Scripture does not make a person a, a Christian, okay? There's this guy in Mark 12, there's a guy that comes, one of the scribes comes, hears Jesus talking, and he goes over and he goes, what's the greatest commandment? And of course he says, Jesus says, love God, love people. And the guy answers back to Jesus, describe, yeah, love God and love people. That's correct, you know. He says, love him, God, with all your heart and with all the understanding. 
and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus looks back at him and says, you know, you get, you've answered intelligently. You, and he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. He says, you know the answer's in your mind. You've just not trusted it with your heart and have a relationship with me. It's like just knowing the facts doesn't cut it. Okay? Even the de demons believe. Right? They know the truth. But they don't trust that and are, are not following that. Okay? So salvation is a gift we receive, not a reward that we earn. Ephesians 2.8 It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. Right? You know that verse? Salvation is a gift we receive, not a reward that we can that we earn. So if it's if we don't earn it, we can't unearn it. Okay, we can go there, right? And so those who persevere to the end are the ones who are truly saved, right? So we receive God's gift by placing our trust in Christ, and He becomes Lord of our life. Okay, so the proof of a, of salvation is a changed life, not that I prayed a prayer or got baptized, okay? The real proof is a changed life. The Scriptures, anytime it talks about how you know, it's like, here's some things that are different about you now. You're no longer this person you used to be. You, the sanctification process is taking place, okay? Like John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, verse 28, right? And you know his voice. Okay? By this we know, 1 John 2, 3, we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Anyone's in Christ is a new creature, right? So it says you, you're, you've changed. There, you, you, it's a changed life. You're walking differently. You're acting different. You're now looking at Christ, going, "I want to follow you, obey you." Okay, you don't. It doesn't mean you're perfect and you always get it right. That's my goal is to follow Him. And when I know I get it wrong, it, it's turning and going, "Man, I messed up on that one." And so I know you say to repent when I get it wrong. And so God, forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm going to turn from that sin, and I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, and so Christians belong to God. First Corinthians six, verse nineteen and twenty. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Okay, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Second Corinthians five fifteen. He Jesus died for all, so that they who live, those who are born again spiritually might no longer live for him for themselves but for him who died and rose again on on their behalf all that to say you're a sinner you're you're you need the life that god can give you so jesus died on the cross to forgive you of that sin and to restore your relationship with him and make you alive again so you place your trust in jesus that he died for you that he rose again to bring you new life and therefore uh, sends the Holy Spirit to, to live in you and reside in you and change you, and you're trusting Jesus with all that you are. You, that you believe that and you're trusting that. Okay? 
Are you trusting Jesus with all that you are? So if you say you're a born-again believer, right, then you belong to God. And far too often I have people sit with me and anguish over doubting whether they are really, am I really saved? I don't know. I doubt at times. I, I, I don't know the condition of my relationship with God. And, and I'm telling you, the greatest feeling on earth, not that we all don't have those moments, but there's things that we can, we'll talk about in a minute, where it just keys us back into the fact that we're His. The greatest feeling on earth is knowing where you stand with God. When you're rock solid and sure of your standing with God and you stand with confidence and peace regardless of any of the circumstances around you. Have you ever met somebody that has that kind of just peace and just joy regardless of what's going on? It's kind of convicting at times when you're around them. It's a powerful thing to see in somebody. You know? It, it, it's just absolutely amazing. I've seen people go through divorce, go through medical problems, job loss, and have a peace that in those difficult places, even at the point of people being at, uh, in physical death, I mean, being on their deathbed, lying there, and having such a peace, and like, a man, I welcome this, Right? I mean, there's many of you, I've, there's some of your family members, people I've sat with, people I've been to the hospital and sat with and been there in their, their last moments and just heard their both ways, the assurance of, man, I'm good, and then the, I don't know. And I'm, I'm telling you, you want the, I'm sure, I have a peace, and I, I get it. I mean, one of them is just the most clear one in my mind I can remember is uh, Kathy's mother um, when I went in to visit her. Um, Rick, Rick and Kathy Williams when Kat, she's in the back this morning but Kathy her mom and I just remember going sitting with her and her just saying I'm, I'm at peace I'm good with where I'm going I'm about to see Jesus I, I am totally good and at peace I'm just worried about my family I'm worried about my my family I'm worried about my family that's just it was just it was amazing you know to hear her say that knowing where she was um, I get, while I was in Honduras this last time here a couple weeks ago, uh, like the patriarch of the community, his name's Adolfo, uh, leader in the church and been there a long time. He was mayor of the town and uh, he's one of these guys, you talk about a change. He was the guy everybody used to be afraid of in that town. You know, there's like 30, like somewhere around two to 3,000 people in that town, I think is what they said. Um and he used to be the guy, he carried a pistol in the back of his pants, and you just didn't mess with him. He'd just shoot you. I mean, he was just that way. And then Jesus got a hold of him, and he's never, he never carried a pistol after that. And he's the most loving, kind. Uh, you think he's straight out of Texas, big white cowboy hat, and just, just you know, got the, the big mustache. And just you're just like, man, this got that big, deep voice I wish I had as a pastor that just you can hear him across the soccer field you're like Adolfo's here you know but he's, he's only about this tall but he's like it's Adolfo his hat maybe that's why he wears the hat but anyway he he's not doing so well I mean he's had to lay in bed um, for weeks and they think he's it's he's gonna die he's had diabetes he's things are breaking down he can't walk anymore he's on an IV bag laying in his bed at home they're giving him pain medication and just to sit with him 
with the interpreter and just just speaking and him just saying, God is good. And it, there's no TV, okay? There's no, there, it was like nothing to pass the time. Like this guy's laying in bed for weeks just staring at the walls and he's laying there praising Jesus the whole time. Everybody comes in, sharing his faith. People still, people bring their friends to him. I mean, he's still, he's, he, and the joy and the peace that he has, yeah, he'll say, yeah, it's difficult, man, it's painful. But I'm getting ready to see Jesus face to face. I'm good. Holding strong to his faith to the very end. I mean, just, you know that change that happened in him was real. And I'm glad I got to see him. And uh, maybe God will miraculously heal him before then, but to live as Christ, to die as gain, and he believes that. He's good. And it's wonderful. I heard a pastor, I was li- John Piper, I was listening to something. He was talking about how being there in those moments, and you just feel like as a pastor, you have moments where you get to just take a believer's hand and just as you as a pastor just hand it off to Jesus. And go, man, he's going, this, this is a good thing. You know, God doesn't see it as a problem that we would join him in heaven. You get that right? As believers, sometimes we see it as a problem. We have to leave here. God goes, you come be with me. Like, what's the problem? Right? We don't see it that way. And I know we miss our loved ones and those things, and I'm totally off track. But when you get it, it changes you. It just changes you. And I think sometimes people wonder if God just wants us, if God really wants us to be sure about our standing with Him. Um, you know, some people think maybe God wants us to live with a certain amount of doubt so we'll stay afraid and, and we'll pay attention to Him, you know. And, but no other, but there's not another belief system like ours that gives assurance of here's, you can know for sure. Okay? You know, that, you know, every other religion, it's, it's not that Christianity is religion. I hate talking about it that way because it's religion is us trying to get to God, whereas this relationship with God, it's the gospel is God coming to us and saying, I can restore you and have a, you can have a relationship with me, but everything else is jumping through a bunch of religious hoops and if I obey the seven pillars of Islam or if I get enough knowledge about God as Jehovah Witnesses kind of go to that whole that you may know him, they go to that whether it's knowledge that's eternal life, or and, and Jesus isn't even God, and or Mormon. If I if I just do enough good things, and I can earn my way up to a certain level in heaven, maybe if God chose me for that, or there, there's no way to know for sure in any of those things. You can talk to him. There's no way to know for sure. I'm just hoping I do good enough to get where I think I'm going talked with people that's that's what you get okay but but in christianity there's a theology there's a teaching in scripture that tells us we can be absolutely sure the bible actually says that there's a theology of assurance where god wants us to be just solid in our standing with him so we can breathe and embrace him and know that we are good with god for sure first john 5 13 says this it's a and it's an interesting uh passage very complicated but i want to read you verse 13 it says these things i have written to you who believe in the name of the son of god why does john say he wrote this and this is if we believe scripture is holy spirit 
inspired word of God, that it's really God speaking through those men, inspired them to write it. So that you may know that you have eternal life. He says, this, 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 I'm telling you these things so you can know for sure. Okay? Now, the verses right before this, if you read all that and you get in verse 11 and 12, it, it says that it, this is God's testimony. Now, if there's any testimony you'd ever want to hear, it'd be God's, right? That anyone who has Jesus, the Son, has eternal life. Okay? How do we, ha- how do we have Jesus? Okay? And this is very important because the, the last part of verse 12 says that he who has not the Son of God has not life. Okay? In other words, it is not everyone, it, in other words, not everyone has the Son and not everyone has eternal life. Okay? It is infinitely important to know that you have Jesus. Okay? So the answer to this, you know, how do we have Jesus is not complicated. Okay? But 11, 12, you get in there. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. Well, how do you have Jesus? It's not complicated. It's implied clearly in verse 13 that we read to start with. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you ha- that you have eternal life. It says, those who believe in the name of the Son of God have eternal life. In that verse 12, he who has the Son has life. Okay, you see the connection? So if I believe in Jesus, I have life. I have Jesus, and if I have Jesus, I have life. Okay? Sounds complicated, but it's not really. Okay? Sometimes we make it overcomplicated. The simple implication is... The way to have the Son is to believe in the Son. Or another way to put it is that the Son of God does what He does for those who trust Him. Okay? You can have the Son of God if you trust the Son of God. So if you want to be more than a survivor, okay, in this world, we are more than conquerors, right? So if you want to be more than a survivor, more than a conqueror in the battles of life, then you got to have the Son. Because that's what he does for people. For he who has the Son has life. All the life that an omnipotent God can give. That's what he does. He gives that to you. And there are many scriptures that give you indications to know that you're really a child of God. Okay? And remember, we're all created by God. We're not all children of God. You'll hear that phrase is used a lot in our culture. You'll hear politicians say that. You'll hear, you'll hear Christians. You'll hear, you may even hear pastors say that. I don't know, but there's people who use that terminology. Say we're all children of God. No, we're not. That's not what the Bible says. Okay, only those who are truly saved, who have Jesus, are a child of God, a son or a daughter. Yes, we're all created by God, but we're not all children of God. You can't. There's one place Jesus, you know, you're of your father, the devil. Okay, so how can you be a child of the devil and a child of God at the same time? You can't. Okay, there's a clear distinction in Scripture about that. So, what I want to do real quickly to just kind of get on through this is just give you four tests from Scripture that are clear in order to give you a sense of being solid. If you, and I say test, but this is just like Scripture says this, so here's how you apply that and know. Okay, so if you get a thumbs up on these four things, then you'll get a sense of being assured about your salvation, your standing with God. And if you 
any of these kind of you go, I don't, I don't I've never had that. Then it, it helps you to think, well, maybe there's something, maybe I've not fully put my trust in Jesus and I need to do that. Okay? And if for some reason you look at one of these and go, well, I, just, I don't know if I've ever experienced that, then we can remedy that by the end of the service today. Okay, it's not a problem. We're going to start with this one, Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33. Okay? It says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So this is, you may have heard me talk about this before, it's, just call it the microphone test. Okay? If I said, every one of you here this morning who claims to be a Christian, okay, as nervous as it may make you, okay, whoever, each one of you who claims to be a Christian, I want you to come up here in front of everyone and make a profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. Just come up here and say, this is the way I used to be, and Jesus changed me, and now this is who I am. Okay? Or even just to say, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved me. I'm good. And just just to be able to say that in front of people. Okay? To profess Christ. Okay? Would you be able to publicly declare the very basics of your faith in Jesus? Could you? Would you? Or would you shy away for a minute and say, oh, wait, 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 I don't, I don't know, I... I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't really have anything to say. I'm, I'm just not sure about all that, you know, about saying. And you don't have to do it eloquently in front of everyone, you know, as as though it's something you have to do perfectly, obviously, right? But if you know God through Jesus Christ, then you ought to be able to at least convey the basics of what you believe. And this is what my life was like before Jesus. This is how I came to know Christ, people who talked to me, and you know when I surrendered, etc. Uh, and this is what God's been doing in my life since. This is how it's different. You ought to be able to at least do that, right? It's simple. I mean, some people act like it's a sin for someone to force them to talk about their relationship with God. And when I say that, that sounds weird, doesn't it? But there's many people I've sat with that say they're a Christian, and if I said, hey, would you just share about Jesus and what that what, the change in your life there's some people it's like oh, uh, uh, uh. and what happens is their shyness and nervousness supersedes overrides their love for Christ and all of a sudden it's no I can't do that not willing to be embarrassed for Christ he died for you but you won't just stand up and say Love him, trust him, change me. I was a jerk. Now I'm just kind of a jerk. Right? I'm getting better. I'm, I was going to say a better jerk than I used to be, but that may be the wrong way. <laughs> Worse jerk. I don't know how you'd say that, okay? Anyway, you're, you're less of a jerk. There you go. Thank you. Right? So, so that's, it's that simple. Would you be able to do that? So if I ask you, you know, there's some people it's just like, no, don't I can't, I don't want you to force me to do that. Or there's some people you'll say, you, you know Christ, don't you know you have a relationship with Christ? And well, kinda. I, I've had people say that to me. I, I, I sort of have a relationship with God, but it's not very clear. 
So if I ask you, like, well, do you have a spouse? Would you go, well, kind of. It's not very clear. I hope it. I hope it's clear, right? For some people, it might be the same way too. It shouldn't be anything clear or un- unclear about that, okay? You ask people about their faith sometimes. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure. If, if, if you're not sure and couldn't make a basic profession of faith, that's kind of a red flag, okay? You should have something to say, not preach or be eloquent. It has nothing to do with that. But you have, should have something to say about Jesus. Do, here, let's put it this way too. Do the people who know you well know you know Jesus? Or is it not clear to them? That's probably the best test of that one, right? The people that know you well know you know Jesus. Or is it not clear? So I want to ask you, do you... Pass the profession test. If not, we can remedy that then. Now, the second test is out of Romans 8. Break this down real fast. This, there's, there's three, the last three are out of this one. So this one will go a little quicker. It's this led by the Father test, the Abba Father test, and then the inner spirit test. We're talking about all three of those, okay? Out of Romans 14, 16, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Okay, so, so it's, it's giving you a clear... Hey, if you're led by the, by the Spirit of God, then, then you're a son of God. So you go, okay, well, that's a, good, that's a good test. If you're in the family, if you're son or daughter of God, you're part of the church family, then you should be able to talk about times wh- where you've been led by the Spirit of God. Okay? Do you have any awareness that you're living a God-guided life, that that's going on, that there's a Holy Spirit in you? Can you point to anything in your life where you prayed for God's wisdom, and God guided you in a certain way, that you had a sense of God leading you um, to decide a certain way about something, to do something, whispers from God or promptings from the Holy Spirit. And I've never heard a, an audible voice outside myself. There's some people that say they have. And I, this, this, I'm not, you know, God's done that in the past. I'm not going to argue with that. I've never heard an audible voice. I, I'm not praying that I will, okay? I'm not... It, that would probably freak me out, and I'd live with like a little eye twitch or something the rest of my life. and be like, you know, yeah, I heard an audible voice, and it freaked me out, right? Okay, it would scare me so bad. Okay, but anyway, but I, I have promptings from the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does for me, okay? I, I get unmistakable impressions from God. I'll pass by somebody, and I can remember being in Honduras one time, and I walk into the lobby of this place where we were staying, and there was these three people up there at the counter, and I could tell there was some distress. And I felt it so clearly of God going, you need to walk up there and get in the middle of that. And I was like, wait a minute, ain't nobody speaking English. In fact, I hear some German and French and some other stuff going on. It's a little complicated, God. Plus, we're in the middle of Honduras, in the middle of nowhere. Okay? And, and the guy that ran the place we were at is a British guy, and he's got this Honduran like bodyguard guy that, has the shirt that's unbuttoned all the way down here, you know, and he's got the gold chains and he's got like two or three knives on his belt and big belt buckle. He had a cowboy hat too, but anyway, that that was his security guy. So he's standing there and I'm like, and God's going, go get in the middle of that. I'm like, I think I need to go repack my bags, you know, or something, you know, I'm, you just, but you, I walked right up. I was like, hey, you guys, okay. Those people end up, they were off track, had fell asleep on the bus they were on. 
got off at the wrong place, didn't have a place to stay. So we helped them out. There's a German atheist and two French Canadians. Okay? And they stayed with us for like four, five, six days. Traveled with us, went places with us. And when they were leaving us, that the the French Canadians, a boy and a girl, the girl, they're in their 20s, she comes up to me and she goes, you know, I want to tell you something because I've been watching you guys. And When you walked up to us at that place where we met you, and I turned around and looked at you, it was just like something said to me that there was a higher power looking out for me. She said that to me. These, these are people who don't believe in God. And I was like, I, probably, I agree with you. It wasn't me. Okay? I didn't want to do it. Okay? And we had that discussion. But it's, you feel God, you, you have those times where you're prompted. Okay? And every time that happens, it's affirmation that you're His. Okay? Now, here's the problem. You ever heard me talk about this? What does God's voice sound like? To me, it sounds like my voice in my head, right? What does Satan's voice sound like to me? Sounds like my voice in my head, right? My flesh, my own carnal mind will speak things in my head, okay? How in the world do I differentiate between all that? It goes back to having a relationship with God, okay? I, that's, that's why the Bible is so important. I have to know His Word, His words, okay? Which the Bible would say, in the beginning was God and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? The Bible is the very words of God. It's, it's how we know and have a relationship and know any of this stuff we know. So I, if I get into the Word and I know it, then when that voice comes in my head, like I use this example many times, and you know Ashley will understand this, talking about that little tag on her. But So when you're at home and everything's crazy in the house because all the kids, right? One's sick, one's threw up over here, one's yelling, come wipe my rear end off, and like everything's, and, and you know, this one's just causing all kinds of chaos and problems, and there's this voice in your head that says, kill the kids, right? <laughs> so, right? You go, well, God wouldn't say that, right? Because I know God, and God wouldn't say that, okay? And some of you are going, well, there's that whole Abraham, Abraham and, you know, Okay? That's a whole other scenario. That's Old Testament, okay? Anyway, so, so you hear that voice and you go, that, that's not God. And that's an extreme case, but it gets the point across, okay? I know that's not God. That's not what he would say. That's, that's, that's me or that's Satan trying to get me in, put in prison the rest of my life, okay? Or get my wife to kill me, okay? So it's, it's this. So you've so you got to know God and have a relationship with him. So when you hear those things, you know the difference. You know, just like if my wife called me on the phone, right? I don't have to go, who is this? Or she don't have to say, hey, this is your wife, Nikki. I know her voice. I know what she would say, what she wouldn't say. If she said something that wasn't like Nikki, you know, if somebody tried to fool me, eventually I'm going to go, Nikki wouldn't say that, right? So you know his voice when you follow him. That's what Scripture says, okay? So do you hear from God? If you don't ever hear him, that's... It's a little trouble. It doesn't matter how big your Bible is or how often you go to church. You need to hear from God, okay? So let's read the next verse, okay? Verse 15, Romans 8, 15. For you have been, not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, sometimes you hear this to mean we can call God Dad, okay? 
dad or daddy, but it's actually a lot more than that, okay? In ancient world philosophies, okay, they were all, the philosophers were always looking for the greatest and highest God. What's the highest power? They all, you know, the all in all God of gods, the one who had no rival. They, they, all these philosophies and trying to figure that out. And this term Abba Father has that meaning as well. It's the God without compare, the God over other gods, the Father of gods, the overall other gods, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, the totally sovereign God. That is all loaded into this term, as well as the familial term, which has this personal relationship dynamic. Okay, It says that you as a child of, of his no longer have to relate to God as a slave to a slave owner or an employee to an employer or student to a teacher, but like trust, a trusting child relates to an infinitely loving father. So does that go along with your experience? Do you feel that way about him when you pray? Do you pray, Father, this is your son, this is your daughter? Father, would you just help me today? And you just feel like he's just like your father? Is, is that how it feels to you? And, I, and I'm real sensitive to slang terms for God and, and Jesus. You know, Jesus is my homeboy. It used to be back in the 80s or whatever. Big guy upstairs, you know, and so forth and things people say about God. It's like when you used to call call your dad, right? But you didn't call him dad. He's like, oh, that's the old man, right? It's It's disrespectful, okay? Someone says, how's your old man? It's like, hey, just refer to him as my dad, right? Or Andy, right? Because you're not calling it's kind of disrespectful, okay? It's like a toddler in a doctor's office getting shots, right? They get that shot and the pain hits and they cry and they look around the room and they run to a parent, right? They they find a place of safety knowing that, that there's comfort and love in the arms of that parent. That, that's what this Abba Father means. Jesus only used this expression one time in Scripture that we see. The darkest night of the soul, the night of his arrest in the garden. You might read that. It's, it's, is that the dynamic of the relationship you feel with God Can that you call him Father? Or is he some distant God that, you know, he's some deity far away that I just try to appease? hoping he's out there somewhere and hears me. Okay? Last part of this is the inner witness test. It says in verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay? The word testifies there is the same as the word you would use in a court of law. Okay? Same kind of word. You would give a testimony only to the truth that you know. Okay? I took a... a in, some chaplain training I took this week. We got to take a course on courtroom testimony. Because as a chaplain, if we ever have to go in on a court case because we were there, then how do we do that? And it and it's just it's it's awesome to hear. A, it was taught by the police police chief over in Morristown. It was great to hear him talk about even if it's hurtful to the department, you you have to tell the truth. Just simply the truth. As long as you're telling the truth, it'd be okay. Now, there, he would talk about there, you tell the truth, but then there's 
you don't, don't just have to tell the truth. There's another side trying to discredit your truth. So there's, there's things to do there, and there's some things that they'll try to make happen, but it's, and so there's a lot of tactics and stuff like that that they taught us, but when it simply comes down to it, it's when all else fails, simply tell the truth. Okay? So it's this, it's testimony. It's like in court, in, in ancient culture, to adopt a child, you had to go to court, much like you still do today, and when you go to court, um, an impartial witness had, had to testify to two things. Okay, this way it used to be, probably this way still. First, that the child wanted to be adopted by his own free will, no duress. I don't think it's necessarily that way today. And then that they have, have to interview the parents and the witness would testify that the parents really wanted to wanted the child and weren't doing it for any other reason. Okay, And that's the beauty of the, that part of Romans 8. It says that the Holy Spirit testifies before God that a terrible sinner has admitted his sin and repented and wants to be a part of the family of God. Okay? So there's that side of it. And then the Holy Spirit testifies to the person before God, testifies to the person that God really wants the, the person to be in His family. And when you give your life to Christ, it's the Holy Spirit who signs the papers and testifies to that transaction. Yes, I want to be adopted by God. God says, I want you. Holy Spirit signs the papers. It's a, it's, a, it's a witness between the two of you. And this verse says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit throughout your life. Will his whisper, um, the whisper will come that you are a son or a daughter of God. You'll have those moments when you feel that. You're in the family at different times throughout the week or your day, right? You ever have that? The Spirit will affirm to you that God loves you. Even when I mess up and I, and I feel that from inside, you know, even in the midst of that, I, I, you get that voice that says, hey, God still loves you. Hey, I still love you. You're still my son, my daughter. Yeah, you've messed up and I, we need to make this right. And there's, it's, it's a bad situation, but I, you're mine and I love you. Okay? It's why it hurts so bad when you realize your sin. Right? You've hurt the one who loves you most, knowing the worst about you, you've hurt someone that you say you love most. And so when you love them, you don't want to hurt the people you love, right? And so you sin and you have to deal with it and confess it, and, but you're still in the family and you don't, you don't get out of that family. It's forever. So has the Holy Spirit ever whispered to your spirit that you're a member of God's family? If not, maybe a red flag, right? So those four tests, profession tests, Led by the Father test, Abba Father test, and the inner witness test. Okay, if you if if you went along with me on all those, and you're like, yeah, I got I got all that going on, then then you you can have a great deal of assurance that you're in the family of God. That you you should be overwhelmed on a regular basis, knowing you have you are His, and not having any fear about your eternity. Then, then you've placed your trust in Jesus and you have Jesus and He's going to take you all the way. Okay? You're going to see Him soon. Now, if you didn't pass all four, you might want to consider what to do in the next few moments as we get ready to close the service. Because remember, church membership means nothing if you're not a child of God. It, it, it's irrelevant. Okay? For a lot of people, a lot of people are trying to deal with symptoms and they never take care of the root problem. 
I deal with this daily, if not. It's a constant, the phone calls, the, you know, whether it's, and I, and I enjoy doing that, actually, okay? People call me about marriage problems, kid problems, their own habitual addiction problems. There's all kinds of things people call me about, okay? And, and I always, throughout the conversation, try to give some practical things. But what it comes down to is just, you got to make sure there's the root problems taken care of. If you just, if your life was about Christ, all these symptoms take care of. It's like having a cold, right? You can get cough syrup and you can nasal spray and Vicks Vapor Rub and you can set up a vaporizer and do all that stuff and it helps with the symptoms. But until the, the actual virus or bacteria, whichever one that is, is, is gone, is killed, the symptoms are just going to keep coming back, right? And it's the way we are in our lives. It, it, until we get deal with the root spiritual problem, all these symptoms are going to keep coming back, right? We'll manage our addictions. We'll manage our finances. We'll manage our relationships. And, and then eventually it just it, it crashes again. They're all just symptoms of the root problem which is faith in Christ. It's a spiritual problem. You're spiritually dead and you need to be spiritually alive and then you, it starts to work through all that and you change. Circumstances may not change, but you change, right? So right now I want to ask all of you, if you're, if you're not rock solid with God, if you didn't pass those tests, if you would like today to be the day that you get adopted into the family of God, you can do that today. And I'm going to ask you to be bold today. I'm going to do something we don't normally do. I'm going to, if the praise band, you guys come on up and uh, we're going to start playing some music. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand right over here. And it's just the thing of being bold and saying, you know what, today I need to, I'm not sure, but I'm ready. It's, it, today's your profession of faith day, maybe. We're, I'm not going to walk you up here and make you say anything. But you just walk over to me. We'll pray together. We'll talk. Maybe you have questions. Maybe I'll put you with somebody and say, hey, because we have multiple people, and just say, hey, uh, here's somebody. Would you just go talk with so-and-so and just get it all worked out? Okay? Would you just be bold today and do that as we sing? You can pass the profession test right here from day one. And so as they start playing, I'm going to stand over there, come up front and talk to me. Um, I just want to ask you to be adopted into the family today if you're not. And I want everyone here to be respectful and joyful, you know. For those who make decisions, be respectful in the next few moments through this song to allow God to speak to people as we finish. So let's pray. <coughs> Father, you're amazing. And I just, I just pray that you would speak right now into the hearts of those who maybe aren't sure, maybe that don't know you, you speak to their hearts right now. Maybe you're, you're just tugging at someone. You're trying to pull them to yourself, and yet there's this resistance. Father, would you just take away those barriers? Would you help them to be bold and know that you're calling them out to be your child? So, Father, would you just, right now, would you just have that conversation with them, would they begin to just speak to you? 
Father, would they just confess that they're sinners and that they're in need of being made alive, that they're dead in their sins. And that because of Your Son Jesus who died on the cross in our place for our sin, that we can turn to You and be made alive. Just pray that for someone, that would be happening right now, Father, as You call them out. So Father, help us all to just to walk with You daily to be thankful for the assurance of our salvation. I'm so thankful, Father, that You made a way for us to be sure. So, Father, may we just stand on the rock that is Jesus, knowing whatever comes, even death physically, that it's not the end, it's only really just the beginning of an eternity with You and how wonderful that will be. And so, Father, thank You in the name of Jesus. Amen.